You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. So far this season, the Mets starting rotation has flatly just been awful. On the show today in the first segment, we'll discuss just how bad they've been. Second segment, Want to go through some reasons for optimism. They need Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander to really carry them at this stage of the season. And things are lined up for them to do just that. We'll explain that a little more. Also, we'll get into some of the offensive performances lately and where there might be some reasons for optimism there. Then we'll close the show with a series preview of what lies ahead, Mets versus Reds. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Did you know that the Mets have the second-worst rotation in all of baseball right now, only two Maybe the worst team in baseball, the worst franchise, the Oakland Athletics. That is how bad the Mets have been this year. And really, as much as I've spent plenty of time on my podcast discussing a Mark Vientos promotion or before that a Brett Beatty or Francisco Alvarez promotion, all of these different areas where the Mets could improve as a team, one place that we really haven't spent too much time is the rotation because It's the hardest area for the Mets to find improvement right now, but it's also the biggest area of concern. I've seen a lot of people pointing out today that the stats are awful. And if you go to Fangraphs and you look over every single statistic that measures starting pitching, what you find is the Mets are basically the second worst rotation in baseball. First one wins above replacement, right? So, Fangraphs measures, of course, for players, you know, how many wins above replacement each player is producing, and you compile it all together for a team, and you look at their rotations, there's only two in baseball where Fangraphs has them with a negative F4, the Athletics, and then the Mets at negative 0.8. You know how hard it is for a rotation to not be valuable at all towards winning? To be eating that many innings and not pushing the ball in the right direction. The Mets have just been atrocious this year. And one of the biggest areas that we look at is the walks. 4.60 walks per nine, the worst mark in all of baseball. Look at home runs. Only the Athletics have been giving up more home runs per nine, 2.03 compared to the Mets at 1.90. As a rotation, the Mets ERA is 5.34. It's the seventh worst in baseball You look at their fielding independent pitching, their FIP, 5.94, second worst to Oakland. They're awful right now. And it's hard to win baseball games when you're starting 3-0. It's hard to win series when your starters are barely making it out of the fifth and your bullpen is time and again being tasked to cover a greater part of the game than your starter has. And that just snowballs over time where you get more of a tax bullpen and guys struggle in their roles. 
So this is a team that, despite every concern we could point to with the offense, we're going to get to that in the next segment. You know, the Starling Marte not performing up to his level. Pete Alonso falling off over the last couple of weeks. There's a lot of guys to point to that you can say, oh, that's, that's why this team's not winning right now. Collectively, that rotation has been the biggest issue. And if they don't figure it out, they're not going to win anywhere near as many games as they won last year. I think 101 wins is already off the table, but they might not even make the playoffs if they don't figure out that rotation. And last year, look, they found consistency time and again with the rotation. Max Scherzer was out a little bit, but he was still excellent in the 20-plus starts that he had. Taiwan Walker, as much as I knocked, as much as I thought that it was a bad signing for the Phillies, and that has bore out at this point. He has struggled over there. With the Mets last year, he was taking the ball every fifth day, and he was giving them length. Carrasco, same boat. Chris Bassett was an amazing regular season pitcher for the Mets. David Peterson stepped up when he had his opportunities. And, of course, when you did get Jacob DeGrom, he was excellent. The Mets just consistently were able to get quality starting pitching last year, and it led to series over series getting victories. What have you gotten this year? Kodai Senga, the only starting pitcher that's had a good year. He's had a 3-3 ERA over six starts. He's been solid. He's the only reason they won a game in that series against the Rockies. Joey Lucchese had one great start, but his last three, he's allowed three earned runs and five and a third, four earned runs in four innings, then three earned runs in three innings. Uh, granted, the last one was on short rest, but still all were against bad teams in those last three starts where he's still giving up runs. And the advanced metrics or the expected metrics are, are saying that he is due for even more regression. Speaking of regression, Tyler McGill, 4.33 ERA over seven starts, but his expected ERA is 6.26. His expected fielding independent pitching is 5.50. Those are stats that are supposed to tell us his future performance, what you know he's producing, what it should be resulting in, not that 4.33 ERA, more of an ERA over six. Why is it so high? Well, I'll tell you. He's barely striking out anyone, 6.88 strikeouts per nine, and he's walking the world 4.58 walks per nine. That is a difference between his strikeout percentage and his walk percentage of just 5.8%. That is not good, and that is not a recipe for success. He's not missing bats, and he's missing the strike zone too much. Tyler McGill is going to get worse before he gets better if he keeps pitching like this. And he's been one of your more consistent arms. You can make an argument he's been the second best starter in this rotation this year. And that's the issue. David Peterson, out of sight, out of mind right now. But when he was on the hill in six starts, ERA over seven. Max Scherzer has been a disaster. 5.56 ERA with walk rates and home run rates higher than he's ever had. Now, apparently, we've seen some stuff come out that he's still pitching through. So that injury, he's still struggling, feeling some pain in that shoulder area. But he also made no excuses saying if you're on the mound, you got to pitch through it and you got to be better. I hope Scherzer can, can find some success. But the hope there is starting to erode. Justin Verlander's only made one start. I think that's the biggest reason to pin some optimism on this team that, hey, you now have your ace back. He looked pretty solid aside from a couple home runs allowed in the first inning. So, you know, in that first start, he settled down. Now you get him lengthened out a little bit more. You hope that you're going to get the Justin Verlander that won a Cy Young last year and pitched to a 175 ERA, and that would go a long, long way to set the tone for the rest of this staff. But I'm really concerned right now. You know, even you know putting the Scherzer stuff aside, 
you know, you look at three through five, you know, Kodai Sanga is, I guess, the one other reason for some hope. But what are you getting from Lucchese and McGill moving forward? And then Carlos Carrasco is coming back. He's going to make a rehab start on Tuesday. And they had previously said he only need one rehab start. We'll see if that holds true, if they want to give him a second one. But when he pitched this year, he had an ERA over eight. So what version of Carrasco are you going to get? I do think there is a world where you know, Scherzer figures it out. Verlander pitches like the guy from last year, and those two can carry the rotation with Sanga behind them. And then two of Miguel Lucchese or Carrasco ends up holding down that back end. Maybe the third one ends up in the bullpen, giving you a better long man that can fill that Trevor Williams role. And suddenly the Mets are in a good place in a month. But... This is a really, really tough start to the season for this group. And we went into the thick of that might have the best rotation in baseball because we thought that Scherzer and Verlander would pitch the back of their baseball cards. The Kodai Senga could be a frontline starter based on all of the optimism and hype that he had coming over from the NPB. And guys like David Peterson were coming off good years and Jose Quintana. And you thought that there was so much depth here. Well, that depth has eroded. And a lot of guys have underperformed. So hopefully we find a, a point in this season where you know maybe David Peterson figures something out in Syracuse and comes back and looks like the guy from last year. Maybe Carlos Carrasco, you know, now that he had that bone spur, you know, dealt with it in his elbow that, he, that he's able to rest it and everything else. Maybe Carrasco can come back and, and be a solid pitcher. Uh, but you know the Mets are, are looking at, at a rotation that has been. As bad as any in baseball this year, and they're trying to compete with that. And ultimately, I think the lineup has probably gotten too much criticism based on you know the group that has been starting in front of them on the mound each night, and it's just been an uphill battle game after game after game. But if the Mets are going to do anything, they need more from Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, and they're going to get the opportunity in this upcoming series. I want to discuss that and some of. Uh, you know, the reasons for why the, the lineup isn't going to be an issue moving forward. We're going to get to all of that in just a minute. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel offers great promotions every day, a safe and secure app, and you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action then America's number one sports book. And also, of course, you can always bet on your Mets. Or, hey, if you think the rotation is terrible, you can bet first fives. That means you can basically bet against the Mets to hedge your happiness a little bit and say, hey, Joe Lucchese is on the mound. We're going to bet on Reds. Or, I guess, Lucchese will miss this series. He's on the mound against the Nationals. We'll bet the Nationals first five to, to beat the Mets in those early innings because Luke Cage is going to be terrible. You never know. There's a lot of ways that you can play at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Looking at this week's slate, the Mets finally have their rotation in order, and it's really lined up for them to get back on track with a couple of bad teams that they're playing. And I know that didn't work when we discussed the Tigers 
and the Rockies last week. But maybe the Mets will prove to be better than these bottom dwellers and actually win a lot of baseball games this week. And it all begins with Max Scherzer, then Justin Verlander, then Kodai Senga. That is the best three the Mets can throw out there right now. And I know that is taking into account Scherzer's struggles. But if there's anyone who's going to turn it around, it's the first bout Hall of Famer. I trust Scherzer to be better quicker than I trust the Tyler McGill to suddenly become a great starting pitcher. Joe Lucchese to, to give you more than five innings in a start outside of that first one. You know, Scherzer's still the guy that, you know, can use his intelligence, his experience, and go out in Cincinnati and put up six scoreless and give you a, a just big sigh of relief, right? That That's what you hope happens. And the way it lines up through the week, finally we see five starters where you know who's going to take the ball each day. Scherzer, Verlander, Senga. McGill will take the ball on Friday against the Nationals. Joey Lucchese on Saturday. And then you go right back around to Scherzer and Verlander to close out that series. That series against the Nationals stretches out until Monday. So it's a Friday through Monday series. That basically means your next seven days of baseball. Four of those starts are going to be taken by Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. And Kodai Senga starts another one of them. And then you only have one from McGill, one from Lucchese. This is where your $86 million that have been spent on Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander have to pay off. Those two guys need to go up against bad lineups where they're going to have their pick of, of hitters that they can use to pitch around the few competent bats in each lineup. And they should hopefully put up a lot of zeros and give the bullpen some rest. I would love to see Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander go out and give you 13 innings, okay, uh, at least, right? Uh, and just give that bullpen a rest coming off this off day. And, of course, that means one of them goes seven, the other one goes six. But these are pitchers capable of giving you length and setting the tone for the rest of the week because then you have Kodai Senga, and we saw him give you six last time out. And maybe you can get the ball rolling to a point where the Mets have some momentum heading into that series against the Nationals. And honestly, I wouldn't call any series a must sweep. You just want to win series. But it feels like this is one against the Reds where you really just want to make a statement that you are not a below 500 team, which is where you sit right now, that you're still a winning ball club and you can stack up some W's and get going in the right direction. And when I look at the offense, while they've been bad the last two weeks, and there's no disputing that, I think there's a clear path to better performance. And to me, I think it starts with keeping the lineup that they had uh, the last time out, which is the first five that I loved. Starting it off with Brandon Nimmo, who's been the Mets' best player this year. He's hitting 310, 407 on base, 460 slug. He's a 146 winner runs created plus. WRC plus measures hitters based on a league average of 100, so he's been 46% better than your league average hitter. Francisco Lindor is struggling lately, but he's still taking his walks. He's still scored 22 runs this year, right up there uh, atop for the Mets. I think Alonso scored 23, one more, and I think Nimmo's at 20, so all of them hovering around the same when it comes to runs scored. He's driven in 25. He's been productive, even through you know not being at his best, and I don't see the Mets bumping him from the order. I like him batting second because you have Jeff McNeil behind him, so if Lindor doesn't get that hit to move Nemo and score him if he's sitting on second base. Well, now you got Jeff McNeil who's up to 289 at their slow start this season, 394 on base, 132 WRC plus. He's a guy that can drive in those runs like we saw him do in that final game against the Rockies. 
Pete Alonso needs to be better. 235 average, 318 on base. If we rewind the clock, 14 games. His average was over 290. His on-base percentage was over 270. They've both dropped 60 points. He's got to be much better. When Alonzo struggles, the entire team struggles. So a lot of this is still on him. He has those 11 home runs carrying over from the big April. But he's got to start hitting some in May here to get the Mets back on track. And Starling Martin needs to be bumped down this order because he has not been hitting either. I really think those three players, Lindor, Alonzo, and Marte, are guys where we can expect better performance. But for Lindor and Alonzo, I think they should keep their spot in the lineup. For Marte, I think you bump him and you let McNeil hit up top and, and you put him sixth right now. You put him behind Brett Beatty, who has had a, a really good start to the season for the Mets. 286 average, 344 on base, 446 slug. He's been getting better and better as the season has worn on since the promotion. That's 61 plate appearances where he has you know, put up Basically, what is that, close to, was that a 790 OPS? Quick math, yeah, I think a 790 OPS. So, you know, I I think he's going to be a a better than 800 OPS guy throughout the season now. So, uh, I love him batting fifth. I think he's a hitter that teams are going to fear more than really anybody else that they could put behind Pete Alonso. And I like that as their first five. Marte batting sixth for now because it's already a big drop from second down to sixth. You bat Vogel back seventh. I think that's a lineup that teams will start to fear and that could get the ball rolling. And then you add in the fact that Mark Canna can't be any worse. And Francisco Alvarez over the last two weeks is hitting 304 with a 385 on base and a 391 slug. I imagine the slug goes up a little bit, but he's only striking out now in those two weeks at a 23% clip, walking 11.5%. Any level that Francisco Alvarez has gone, there has at times, well, outside of low A, but high A, double A, triple A, there was a, a period of a learning curve, and then the bat comes around. You add in the fact that he's been elite defensively as a pitch firmer. He's actually looked better this year behind the plate than Tomas Nito. This is why he is earning that starting catching job, and it's a job that he really shouldn't give up anytime soon. If you get this team rolling with the players that they have, you don't even need to call up Mark Vientos or Ronnie Marisa, which everyone is looking at as the quickest you know, fix to a team that's struggling. With the players that are in place, if you get better performance and guys start to play the back of the baseball cards for Canna, Marte, Lindor, and Alonzo, you have Nimmo McNeil stay where they've been as well as Beatty and Alvarez can kind of continue off of the recent hot streak. Suddenly, you're going to have a line that's going to put up a lot of runs. If the starting pitching can come together a little bit, the Mets could be just fine very soon. But... Is that going to happen against the Reds? I'm going to preview that series in just a minute. First, though, another word from our sponsors. The Mets are set to take on the Reds in a three-game set in Cincinnati, as we've been discussing They got a good matchup game one. Luke Weaver on the hill for the Reds. He's given up at least four earned runs each of his last three starts. He is your prototypical back-end five-starter for a bad team. You got to capitalize when you face a Luke Weaver. Put up runs early. Put up a three-spot in the first inning. Give Scherzer a lead and hope that he can hold on to it and give you some length and set up the rest of this series. Game two, it gets a lot harder, though. Hunter Green versus Justin Verlander. Green, 
Really good young pitcher. He has 47 strikeouts in 33 and two third innings pitch, a 3.74 ERA in the season. In April, five starts, he had a 2.19 ERA. But his last time out, he gave up five earned runs against the White Sox in five and two thirds. Now the Mets are a team that's going to be patient against a Hunter Green, try to draw some walks, try to extend his pitch count, get into that Reds bullpen. But that's definitely the toughest matchup in this series. Luckily. He had the right start on the mound going up against him in Justin Verlander. I got to imagine a guy like Verlander who spent the last couple years with the Astros probably looking around and like, I do not want any part of this losing. Maybe he views himself as a stopper that can turn things around, and I hope he does. Final game of the series will be Nick Lodolo versus Kodai Senga. I know Nick Lodolo came into the year with about as much hype as any young starter in baseball. There's a lot of people that would have taken Lodolo over Green heading into the year. And early on, it was proven out to be uh, a pretty accurate assessment. I believe he had a 12-strikeout performance, had a 2-1-2 ERA in three starts. Over his last four starts, though, that ERA is 10.38. So he has really fallen off. Knowing the mess the way I do, I imagine Nick Lodolo figures it out. <laughs> That's just what I would predict is going to happen, unfortunately. But, hey, maybe this is a different Mets team. Maybe they show up with a little bit of anger and aggression and look like the the team that was so resilient last year and they go out and they sweep a series and, and make us all forget about the last two weeks of baseball. But uh, they're going to have to to really change the narrative quickly here. Now you look at the Reds lineup, a couple of hitters to note here. They got some, some guys who are hitting pretty well over the last couple of weeks, over the last 15 days in particular. Nick Senzel... Jonathan India, Jake Fraley, and TJ Friedel are all hitting over 333. So something to watch. Uh, but you hope the Mets can neutralize those bats. The Reds are 14 and 20 on the year. The Nationals 14 and 20 as well. I hate to continue to look at the schedule and try to count W's, but hey, this is it. This is a stretch where you have two teams that you're playing against on the road that you're clearly better than. And sometimes when you are in a spiral the way the Mets are, it, it almost helps to get away from your home crowd. It almost helps to, to to maybe go play free in front of some other fans in a different place and try to find what you had on the West Coast trip a couple weeks back when the Mets are winning baseball games. Maybe they put up two good series. I really think they have to win five of these next seven games coming up. That'd be winning both of the series. I'd be even better if they could sweep one of those series. But regardless, win these two series. Get yourself into a place where you're you know, sitting well above 500, at least a couple of games above it, before you have to face the best team in baseball at home, which is the Tampa Bay Rays next week, which is not going to be easy to get any games. Build a little bit of a cushion and get some momentum on your side because the Mets certainly have lost all of that. Anyway, though, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. For all you everydayers, on tomorrow's show, I want to do a little bit more of a deep dive on Francisco Alvarez, particularly the defensive numbers. What he's shown this season, of course, I'll be recapping game one of Mets vs. Reds. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show, Locked on Mets. Thank you for making Locked on Mets your first listen every day. Uh, now for your second listen, check out Locked on MLB. Paul Francis Sutherland has you covered with everything going on in Major League Baseball. You can follow Locked on MLB wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube.